you know, I do a lot of collage art where I cut magazines and, you know, just kind of glue them together. And I make so many mistakes. I mean, I, you know, like some of the, the cuts, like there've been many times where I'm cutting out like a bird and it's really intricate and I end up cutting off the head or I glue something down and then I realize I glued it upside down or whatever. And so, you know, just like opening to what unfolds and it's a again it's a practice a lot of these are mindsets this is the labyrinth and the thread conversations about creativity and mental health for by and with people who love to create things and have experience navigating mental health i'm amelia aldred and i'm glad you're listening Today, I'm talking with Brenna Fitzgerald, a creativity coach and writer currently living in the Finger Lakes region of New York. She's the host and producer of the Creative Recovery Podcast. What does it mean to be a creative recovery coach? Can you talk a little bit more about what you do and the people that come to you? As a creativity coach, I support people for in a variety of different ways. Um, people come to me, oh, with all different kinds of requests, I suppose. Um, they Some people are having challenge motivating themselves to move through a, through a creative project and they feel blocked and they don't really know what's blocking them. So they're kind of wanting some support, maybe some accountability, some um, someone to help them explore what's going on emotionally for them as they're engaging in this creative activity. Some people used to be really creative and did a, a variety of different things in their life, maybe painting or drawing or writing, and have you know something in their life. Maybe they had a child or were caretaking a parent interrupted that process and they've just gotten so far from it. And often what I notice is that they they also feel unhappy too and kind of dead in their life or just very um, like not, they don't have a strong sense of meaning and purpose because they've strayed so far from expressing themselves. Um, so they kind of come to me wanting to explore ways of making time and space for, for creativity, making time and space for themselves and exploring even kind of what in their life right now would give them meaning and purpose. So maybe it's different than what it was. Yeah. And I think sometimes people also just, they don't really know what's going on and they, you know, I have a background in, um, integrative nutrition, so holistic health. And so they sort of want to, you know, maybe engage in some creative projects, but explore what in their life might be challenging or, you know, conflicting um, with their desire to be involved in a creative project. It's really interesting what you bring up, both the sense of meaning making and then also the holistic approach and with your background in integrated nutrition. I imagine that for a lot of folks that come to you that there is a sense of trying to figure out and, you know, this is metaphorically how to feed themselves creatively. You know, what are they bringing into their life? What are they putting out in their life? Um, 
Do you find that to be true? Is it is it also what they're bringing in as well as kind of what they are producing and kind of the practice that they're doing? Absolutely. I mean, that's a real cornerstone of my coaching is not just helping them figure out what they want to produce or what they what kind of activity they want to engage in, but how to fill themselves with other things in their lives that might inspire them, that might give them a sense of spaciousness or rest or 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 a sense of um, invigoration and stimulation. And so, yeah, the the integrative nutrition. Um, I mean, my coaching certificate is in is from the Institute for Integrative Nutrition and their whole approach. I love that you said exploring what feeds your clients, because that's really how they see life. It's it's sort of like there's this wheel of life with all these different facets. There's spirituality, there's diet, exercise, creativity is one aspect of life. And, you know, really looking at what the what are the nutritional elements that feed those components and help them stay balanced. And it's really different for different people. Some people discover in the process of working with me that they actually need more social engagement. I think with COVID specifically, it's been um, a lot of my clients have expressed just a sort of deadening, a, a monotony to their life and not feeling like they are, they're getting kind of stuck in their thinking and unable to like shift perspective or t- to see things anew because they're doing the same thing every day. They're walking the same routes. They're seeing they're in their house. They're working from their house and changing location and, you know, say writing at a cafe or painting, you know, on a street corner or whatever is, or playing music on a street corner. Um, you don't see a lot of painters on the street corner, but, um, <laughs> but occasionally at, at art fairs and such. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that brings in you, you, you bring to your work, you know, what's happening around you, the kind of energy, and it can really help you either see your work anew or come up with new ideas. So yeah, I think that there has been a lot of challenge right now in figuring out if that's what fed me before, how can I find new ways of feeding myself given the limitations and restrictions of the pandemic? Nature and walking and has been, I think, a big thing that's feeding people right now that I'm seeing um, with clients. Like they're like, I just want to be away from the computer. (laughs) That's not feeding me. So Creative Recovery Podcast is a community of artists, entrepreneurs, colorful creatives, and anyone seeking to reclaim creativity. I am the host, Brenna, a writer, editor, and coach. Creative Recovery is exploring what nourishes mind, body, and spirit in service of creative aspirations. This podcast is all about moving through creative challenges and opening to play, process, and the unknown. Through rich discussion in every episode, listeners are guided into a deep process of self-discovery and encouraged to experiment with practices that awaken creative intelligence, help connect to intuition, and support authentic expression. Whether you want to write a book, start a business, or have fulfilling relationships, the process of creative recovery will help anyone tap into their inner resources and live a life of purpose and joy. Find more about my podcast at brennacoaching.com slash podcast. Episodes are also available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thanks for tuning in. That's very interesting that you bring up nature. I, f- I found for myself that um, 
I because there are a lot of things that I don't have access to right now that normally would creatively feed me, like going out and seeing live performances or even browsing a lot of different bookstores and things like that. And I have found that walking has been helpful. That's that's been something I, I do regularly. Um, what are some of the other things that people have been exploring as ways to feed themselves during this time when maybe that their normal ways of of as you said, of changing context and seeing things anew and changing perspectives it just isn't as available. Are there um, other ways that they've engaged with nature or other ways that people are exploring? Yeah, I think movement has been, you know, moving your body in different ways. So, um, I mean, obviously there's, you know, it's it's been hard to go to classes, but I think people have been, there's been a number of online offerings. And so, you know, yoga, dance, exploring different kinds of movement, certainly nature connection. And sometimes it's walking. um, But sometimes it's also just like looking at, you know, the details of nature. So sort of slowing down and sitting, meditating in nature or or birding. Birding is a is a really great activity as well because it forces you to slow down and really see detail. And there's also an element of the unexpected when you're really sitting in nature and looking at it, all the components of it and sort of, you know, guessing, okay, I think that bird is a sparrow, but then you look through some binoculars and it's you know, something totally different. So there's a there's a kind of mystery, I think, that nature provides that can be very stimulating. Retreats also have been, one of my clients recently uh, went on a little retreat. He rented an Airbnb just by himself and, uh, you know, went there for a weekend. And, you know, the whole thing was just very rejuvenating. Like it got him he stepped away from the rhythm of his life, the clock time, you know, he, he, he stepped away from clock time. And what my sense is he went into deep time, which is, I think can be very stimulating creatively. It's a, it's a more introspective place. It's a more intuitive place. Deep time, you're, there's more allowing than there is kind of um, trying to control. Talk more about that. What's what what's the difference between those and and how, what does that have to do with with creative and creativity and creative recovery yeah that's such a great question um clock time is you know it's funny cuz i think we try to squeeze our creativity into clock time and that is that to a certain i mean to a certain extent that is what has to happen for the practice to have space in our lives But once what I think the key is, is to within the the clock time that you've allotted is to kind of, you know, figure out ways of getting into deep time. And essentially, when I'm talking about deep time, I'm talking about like a flow state, essentially, like I'm really interested. My last podcast episode was all about exploring creative flow. And I'm really interested in that topic right now. And um, well, there's a lot of practices for kind of getting into a flow state. There's, um, I mean, it's different for everybody. I know for me, I, as a writer, I write from a place of stillness and, and balance. So activities like meditation and yoga, doing those before walking in nature, doing those before I sit down to write, just kind of primes my body for entering that place of stillness and then my mind kind of follows you know once you're you're sort of priming yourself to get into this place of flow or or deep time you know you once you get in there you're you're making and this is what brain science 
is talking a lot about right now is like you are making a lot of quick decisions, sort of, you know, cutting, I mean, for, as a writer, cutting, pasting, like it's playing around with the words, deleting, you know, um, or if you're a painter, maybe you're, you're experimenting. You're really just making a lot of quick decisions, experimenting, you're playing and not really trying to control which is, again, the clock time is a very controlling uh, force. And so, you know, once you're in this kind of deep time space, you actually lose sense of time. And you're, you're really just, it, time almost feels endless. And, um, and so you're, you're, you're in that state, your, your prefrontal cortex is actually kind of disengaged. So there isn't time for you to like, censor yourself or control yourself. It's kind of, there's almost this letting go of that part of your brain. And I don't know enough about the brain to know what other parts are stim are where the deep time comes from, but it's definitely not the kind of critical analytical, you know, place that we're always in when we're often in clock time, when we're, you know, at work, have deadlines. Um, so yeah, it's this very special, timeless, space that is very conducive for, um, you know, introspection and, um, and creativity. After my conversation with Brenna, I was so inspired by her client who went to an Airbnb as his own personal writing retreat that my husband and I ended up also creating our own writing retreat a few months later. We didn't travel, but we wrote up an itinerary that included writing time, time for long walks, which is one of the things that help us both relax and process our creative projects, and a time for activities that were fun and would stimulate our brains and help us get into that deep time mindset. Overall, doing the retreat was a really helpful experiment and process. Even though we didn't travel, intentionally setting aside time to do something different helped me get out of the creative rut that I had been in for a few weeks. And even just planning and prepping for the weekend helped me get more excited to write than I had been for a few days. During the retreat, I tried out a couple of new writing techniques and approaches that I hadn't done before, because having so many writing sessions in a row made me feel freer to experiment. Brenna and I talked about why attention to process is so important and how easy it is to let that slip. One of the things with process and product that um, I've been thinking a lot about lately is that claiming the process and not only the product puts you at odds with a lot of messages that we get. And honestly, I would say capitalism itself, that the, the oftentimes the focus is just purely on the product and how much product you can produce, et cetera, et cetera. And the tension of having to live in a capitalist system, but that being creative is not just about product and that that tension and that um yeah that we have to live with seems like it, it factors into our mental health honestly of you know where do we get our anxiety of like how much product can i produce you know um is that something that you found with your clients as far as a, a tension between process and product or in in your own experience as a creative Oh, yeah. I mean, I think another, you know, kind of cornerstone of the coaching work that I do is really returning to 
valuing process. I mean, that's really all that I feel like is really what creativity coaching is about is really helping, you know, clients rediscover a lot of times the value of their process and have compassion for it too. Because if you, if you don't enjoy, if you're not finding joy and value in the process, you're going to be unhappy. And what's the point? You know, what's the point of making something if you don't enjoy it? What's the point if, I mean, obviously if you're, if you're doing something for money, that, that there's a tension there, that there's a, there's a, there's a kind of push because you're, you know, you're operating in that capitalist system, you're earning, you're living on there. There is a tension there. I see that when, when people artists turn their art into their business, um, that can be very, that that's challenging. And there's different issues that, that we have to work on, but that's actually even more, you know, the, the need to kind of return back to the process, back to the intention of why am I doing this? You know, like, what is this? What purpose is this serving for myself? What purpose is this serving for my community? Um, so part of, part of, you know, kind of anchoring back into process is remembering intention. And it's very different than like a goal, like I'm going to write this book by the end of the year or whatever with objectives and measurable and stuff like that. It's, it's, why am I doing this? Is it serving me? Is it serving my community? Um, you know, so kind of returning back to that. And it is hard. It is a practice. It's a practice to remember process. Yeah, it is a constant practice because society, that that isn't the way that society is structured, like a capitalist society. It's, it's product driven. And, um, and it's very, it's seductive to, um, to, I mean, well, so we internalize that message and, you know, our worth is equated with our, you know, what we produce, our, our productivity. But I think there's a, there's another element of, to it that, so there's a kind of unconscious um, internalization of those messages, which can actually be very toxic. And that's the sort of drill sergeant type, uh, you know, that, that the, the drill sergeant approach to creativity, like I need to produce XXY, you know, by XXY. But then there's this also, there is a seductive element to it. There's a way in which we, our egos kind of, you know, we measure our worth based on how much we produce. And maybe that motivates us because we're, we're getting a lot of positive feedback based on what we produce. So it's, it's, our sense of self and our sense of worth gets fed based on that. And so it's easy to forget process because all that matters is, pro- is product. And it's like, we don't care how you, we don't care how, what you do, just, we just want to see the final product and it has to be, you know, and, and we'll give you praise when we see it. It strikes me too, that that couldn't be a way that people also get into some really damaging behaviors to, in order to create that if for example, um, to use a cliche, if it's like I need to use substances in order to create, like I can only write when I'm drinking, you know, and the, but it doesn't matter as long as you're producing the product and that if you're so focused on that product, as long as it's happening, it can be very hard then to see or change maybe a really damaging behavior to you or other people um, something or something that's damaging to your mental health. And even if it's not, you know, that direct and clear of an example of I beat myself up mentally in order to make the thing, you know, but I'm still making the thing. So it must be working. And it's hard to recognize that. I was wondering if you have any stories about 
ways that people have been able to um, return back to thinking about process. One, I know I talk a lot about writing because <laughs> um, that that is one of my areas of expertise, but um, I think that one sort of tool that can be really helpful for writers um, for remembering process and and other writers, um, you know, this is kind of a, it's not a technique I came up with, but it's something that just I think typically works is, you know, setting a timer and writing on a prompt. What I like to do is just flip through a prompt book and just randomly choose something. And so it's not something I chose. It was given to me like it's it's, you know, it, it was like a spontaneous kind of thing. And then I just or even a poem, you know, just flip through, you know, finger on the on on page five, read that poem. And then there's like a couple words that stimulate something. And then I write for 15 minutes. And it's like, it's all about the process. It's all about just letting the words flow, bypassing that sensor. Um, so that's a that can be a really helpful strategy for writing. And I think it can translate to other mediums as well. You know, just sort of like, I think, having an intention to play, you know, and to experiment and to open up to what arises. And, you know, I do a lot of collage art where I cut magazines and, you know, just kind of glue them together. And I make so many mistakes. I mean, I, you know, like some of the, the cuts, like there have been many times where I'm cutting out like a bird and it's really intricate and I end up cutting off the head, you know, or cutting off the wing or like, cutting something and I'm like, oh, I don't know. It, it And it's sort of it or I glue something down and then I realize I glued it upside down or whatever. And so, you know, just like opening to what unfolds. Um, and it's a again, it's a practice. A lot of these are mindsets that I think it's really helpful to cultivate outside of the allotted time that you're creating. So whether it's, you know, in your meditations or in your journal or, you know, just kind of um, as a as a way of living, you know, just like connecting to how do I want to live? You know, I personally want to live open to what arises in my life. And like, um, I want to live in alignment with the mystery that's unfolding and not in fear of it. And that is how I want to approach, you know, my, my writing. So before we end, I wanted to ask if there's any projects uh, or if there's any particular um, art or other um, things that you've been really enjoying recently, whether it's your own projects or, or others. My podcast called Creative Recovery continues to be a huge source of in inspiration for me. It's, it is so fun to talk to creative, just a variety of different creatives. You know, the, actually a lot of these people that I, that I talk to are in my life. Um, some of them are, are new, new folks that I meet, but a lot of them are in my life and to just really dig deep into their process and their challenges. It's, that is, it's a community for me and, and, you know, and, and I hope for them and for other people too, it's that, it's that community, you know, kind of creating that community. So the podcast project is, is really um, nourishing me and I hope serving others. 
Um, and I'm, I'm working on a book too, that is, um, you know, about creative recovery and, um, kind of healing the inner life of, of outer expression. So I've been really enjoying, um, digging deep into what it means to heal from those messages that we've internalized that aren't ours, you know, the trauma, the stories, the, you know, the oppression and, you know, looking at my own story and uh, the stories of others and sort of, um, you know, how is that, um, how is that blocking us from really being free, being free in this world to express ourselves as I feel is our right. Um, So that book project has been, um, I mean, it's, it's really messy right now. really messy. Um, so it's an, a real opportunity to ground in process. <laughs> um, but that's been something that's been just like sparking a lot of joy for me, the podcast and the book and, and always my, my business too. I, I get, that's my community and, you know, my clients are my healers and, uh, yeah, that's been, it's always so nourishing. Well, I can say as a listener to your podcast that it is a really wonderful community and it is a really wonderful resource. I'm so glad that you're doing that. And I'm so glad to hear that you are working on a book as well, um, whatever form that takes and (laughs) that uh, having that, that that doing the book itself um, is a chance to ground yourself in process. So I'm happy to hear that. And one of the things I love about your podcast is that you're talking to so many different people that bring different perspectives that are working in different mediums that are coming from different vantage points. Um, and that all of them have interesting things to say and, and new perspectives on creative recovery and all the different dimensions of that. I really love that. And I'm so glad that, that you are cultivating that conversation. So thank you for that, for that work. Thank you, Amelia. I'm so honored and grateful to have been in conversation with you and um, to be speaking to your community too. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support us, consider joining our Patreon at patreon.com slash labthreadpodcast. If you're not in a position to financially support us, you can help out by spreading the word and following us on social media. Stories, concerns, and manifestos can all be emailed to labthreadpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Remember to take care of yourselves and each other. And until next time, from Chicago, Illinois, this is The Labyrinth and the Thread. Thank you.